is the light of the world. The light of darkness can Stay with us, Lord, for it is evening. And the day is almost over. Let your light scatter the darkness. Immortal Father, heavenly, holy, blessed Jesus Christ, we have come to the setting of the sun. We look to the evening light. We sing to God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. You are worthy of being praised with pure voices forever. O Son of God, O giver of life, the universe proclaims your glory. The Lord be with you. Let us give thanks unto the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, who led your people Israel by a pillar of cloud by the day and a pillar of fire by night, and lighten our darkness by the light of your Christ. May his word be a lamp to our feet and the light to our path, for you are merciful and you love your whole creation, and we, your creatures, glorify you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you. 
The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love, faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with a lyre, with a lyre's sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. The world and the Lord's overwhelming Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness. And the peoples with equity. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. O King of David and Scepter of the house of Israel, you open and no one can close, you close and no one can open. Come and rescue the prisoners who are in darkness in the shadow of death.
first reading for this midweek Advent service is from the third chapter and the fourth chapter of the prophet Malachi regarding the coming of John the Baptist. Malachi, inspired by the Spirit of God, writes, Behold, I send my messenger, and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly then come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all of the arrogant and all of the evildoers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch, but for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall, and you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and the awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to the children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading, the prophecy fulfilled as reported by the gospel according to St. Luke. Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, Zechariah was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside of the house of hour of incense, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense, and Zechariah was troubled when he saw him, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord." And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife has advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. But his mother answered, No, he shall be called John. And they said to her, 
but none of your relatives is called by this name. And they made signs to the father inquiring what he wanted to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered and immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed and he spoke, blessing God. And Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and he's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of those who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways and to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance unto Israel. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. This is the day by which he will be called. The Lord is righteous In his days Judah will be saved, and Israel will dwell securely. Father and to 
Grace and peace be yours from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Tonight's text is from the Gospel reading. Zechariah said of his newborn son, You, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And this is our text. Dear friends, if tonight I were to plug any movie from over the course of the last year, given our theme for this season, Advent, a baby story, perhaps you'd think that the film that I'd plug tonight would be the film that was piquing interest about this time last year in many theaters and in the lives of many Christians. Remember it? It was called The Nativity Story. Perhaps you saw the film, The Nativity Story, the the latest cinematic presentation of those sacred events surrounding the birth of our Lord brought to the silver screen and quite a faithful adaptation to the silver screen from the original screenplay of of Matthew and, and Luke. But that's not the movie title that best suits our account today. You know what it is? Rather, it's the title of the movie that was in theaters about the same time last year. It was the movie that featured the actor, the acclaimed actor Denzel Washington. The film was called Deja Vu. Deja Vu. I haven't seen the film, but but given the title, perhaps we don't need to see the film to get the gist of it. Deja Vu. We know what it is. We've probably all experienced it before ourselves at one time or another, it's that feeling that we get that what we've just experienced seems awfully familiar. In fact, it seems as if we've experienced that very same thing once before when in fact what what we've just experienced may be the very first time that we ever have experienced it. That's deja vu. A little deja vu is perhaps what we might feel tonight when we consider these events surrounding the birth of John the Baptist. Because we hear of a man who was old and of his elderly wife who was barren. Scripture tells us she was barren, biologically incapable of having children. They were both well advanced in years. They both dearly wanted a child, as was attested to by the fact that, we, as we heard in the Gospel reading, they, they made request by prayer to the Lord for a child. And their prayer was heard. And it was answered with the improbable promise, yes, though aged, she shall be with child. And of course, the promise was met with unbelief. Does it sound familiar to you? It well should sound familiar to you because you remove from the text the names Zechariah and Elizabeth and you insert instead the names Abraham and Sarah. And you have near to the T the account that we heard last week. Deja vu. All over again. As our text from last week so pointedly reminded us, God isn't stifled by our disbelief. He wasn't stifled by Sarah's. He wasn't stifled by Zechariah's. We are, but he's not. For as he said in the face of doubt, we heard him say it last week, is anything too difficult for God? We can thank him that his plans aren't stunted by us. And so as we heard tonight, in his time, just at the right time, 
Just like Sarah before her, Zechariah's wife Elizabeth did also conceive in her old age and in her barren womb. And she did bring forth a son. Another promise made, another promise delivered. It was a promise fulfilled that left the little boy's father absolutely speechful. Not speechless, speechful. Speechless was what Zechariah had been stricken because he didn't believe the message that Gabriel, the messenger sent from God, had delivered to him. And so finally, when the time had come to pass, when the promise had come to pass, beholding that improbable, that, that unlikely newborn son of his, perhaps even holding him in his arms, Zechariah uttered these words that serve as our sermon text tonight. Speaking of his miracle child, he said, You, my child, you will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will, son, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give knowledge, little John, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. Now that's some job description. Little John the Baptist didn't have to wonder what he was going to be when he grew up. That was well predetermined for him already. We heard Malachi speak of it 400 years before the arrival of John the Baptist. Now while the events surrounding these miracle births of Isaac, as we heard last week, and John this week, well, they are so very much alike in so many ways, Isaac and John, their respective purposes were so very different. John was so many things that Isaac was never intended to be. Isaac was the first fruit of that unfolding promise, that divine perpetuation of that promise, that indeed, through Abraham, through his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed. And so with Isaac, the promise was set in motion by God. John is the one given the unique task of making the final preparations for the arrival of this promised one. And then when the time was right, pointing him out to all the world, behold, here he is. And so little John's father prophesied of this little boy's purpose. He said, John, you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. Now, how does one go about preparing the way of the Lord? Well, Zechariah continues and he says, this is how you're going to do it, John. You're going to do it by giving knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. And so that was John's first task, to prepare. Preparation it means that things may not be quite ready. It reminds me of a little construction project, a preparation project, really that I saw on a Bay Area street corner not so long ago when I was waiting and waiting and waiting for the light to turn green. A sidewalk was being prepared. Of course, a pathway for pedestrians. A sidewalk was being prepared. The concrete was not yet laid. There was only rugged dirt in that place. And in the ditch of dirt, there was a small backhoe, one of those digging vehicles where the, the plows on the front and the, the mechanical and the motorized scoop is on the back and perhaps you can guess what that backhoe was doing there in that ditch in order to prepare the way. 
It was digging up some of that dirt and moving it, the dirt that was piled too high. And it was pushing other dirt in to fill in those lower spots. That's what it was doing to prepare the way. It was leveling the way to make ready the way just like John. Because that's exactly how John did and how the echo of his voice through the centuries still does prepare the way for the coming Christ. The knowledge of salvation comes only if first there's a knowledge of the need for salvation. That's part of preparation. First understanding the need for salvation. For who desires healing medicine? Who desires healing medicine if he really doesn't think he's sick and doesn't understand the dire need for that healing medicine? C.S. Lewis put it another way. He said, Christianity, speaking of the gospel of Christianity, he said, Christianity offers no message to those who don't acknowledge their sins. So the knowledge of salvation starts with knowing our need for it. That's what John does. That's what John was sent to do. We heard him described by the prophet Isaiah just a couple days ago in the gospel reading on Sunday. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled up. And every mountain and hill shall be made low and every crooked place shall become straight and the rough places shall be smoothed. You see, that's, that's just how John prepares the way for Christ. He does the leveling and the filling and the straightening and the smoothing. He does it with God's law, which shows us and demonstrates to us the need for salvation. So that's what John does like a holy backhoe. That's what he is. A holy backhoe. John levels the mountains of our human conceit that insist we don't need salvation or any kind of savior or any degree of salvation. He does it through the law by reminding us, he says, well, take a good look if that's what you think. Take a good look at yourself. We can't even stop the aging process which our sin set into motion. We can't even stop the aging process that so slowly breaks these bodies down and ultimately wears them out. We can't even stop that, not to mention all of the other facets of our lives over which we have just as little control but are just as broken because of our sin and so showing no partiality to person by the law John levels those hills of human conceit and he fills in the valleys of human deceit those deep and those dark places Filling them with light, shedding light on the fact that naturally we're not so inclined as we think toward what is good and what is right. Think about it. Even little children lie if it promises gain. Our mountains, he levels. Our valleys, he fills. The crooked paths, John straightens. The rough places by way of the law, he makes smooth. And that's how John readies us by showing us we're not at all ready of ourselves. And then, then things are prepared. And then there's just one more thing. There's just one more thing to make John's job complete. You see, all this preparation, it all is in vain unless John's preparation comes finally to the point. Literally comes to the point. Because... 
That's John's final task. To point out the one who was the promise of Abraham. The one who is the promise of us all. The one who now is come. In his gospel, John the Evangelist says this. He says, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him. And directing and directing the eyes of all the ages to him. He said, behold. Behold, there he is. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John said, he said, this is he of whom I said after me comes a man who ranks before me. And then John concludes by saying, for this purpose I came. Baptizing with water that he might be revealed. Duties complete. John then says he must increase. He must ever increase and I must now decrease. John's first task was to prepare for him the coming Christ. His second and final task was to point to him. And so it is, that's exactly how the old prophet Isaiah summarizes all of the prophetic work of this one, this special and unique one named John. Not only was he to fill the valleys and level the hills and and straighten and smooth our ways, but because of John, Isaiah says, all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Why? Because John points them out. And because John the Baptist makes him known to us. You know you can still see. You can still see that prophetic finger of John the Baptist. Pointing for all flesh. To where Christ Jesus and his salvation can be found. In the pages of Holy Scripture. And in the. The Christo-substantive, the Christ-substance sacraments. In his word and in his sacraments, there he points and in them he still, John still proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, born of Mary, who went to the cross and there paid for your sins and therefore has taken away the sins of your world. All of them. That was John's purpose. That was his point. That miracle boy, John, he was a prophet of purpose. He was a prophet of preparation. And he was a prophet with a point, literally. His voice still prepares hearts, doesn't it? Still does. And readies them gladly and eagerly to receive the Savior who did come and who still comes to us in his saving word and sacraments. And if all of this sounds a bit to you like deja vu, then it probably is. But then hear it again as if for the very first time. With all that initial joy and gladness. And tonight, especially tonight. Thank God for that miracle child, John. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
and by his voice you prepare hearts to receive Christ, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Through Christ, his birth, life, death, and resurrection, all the earth has been blessed with the gift of salvation. And during the season of Advent, prepare then our hearts penitently to receive with joy the gifts that Christ still yet brings when he comes to us in the blessing of his word and sacrament that bear to us the knowledge and the gift of salvation for the forgiveness of sins. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Father of all mercy and healing, hear our request, and according to your will, visit those among us who are sick or in need of your healing power, relieve their pain, guard them from despair and loneliness through the able hands and warm hearts of your people, but keep them chiefly by and in your own word, which, like John, points them to Christ and to the promise of heavenly life and health eternal for all who believe in him. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. O Lord Jesus Christ, our King and Redeemer, to whom your people have ever cried, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Grant that with grateful hearts we too may join in the songs of praise of those in heaven and on earth who rejoice at his coming. Hear our prayer for your sake, for you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Together we pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all. Amen. Amen.